to our listeners, while we believe there has never been a more important time to focus on customer experience, it is important to note that the following episode of Experience This was recorded before the outbreak of the COVID-19 virus. Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingis serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss... What the past decade can teach us about the next decade, how a bespoke publisher creates raving fans, and how the future of personal information is going to get even more messy. Curation, creation, and contention. Oh my. We're excited to give you an overview of an important book you should know about, as well as share some of our favorite passages as part of our next Book report. As you reflect on the past decade and look forward to the next decade, we've found a great resource to help you think bigger about the trends that are shaping the world. Let's listen to my great friend and prolific author, Rohit Bhargava, as he describes his newest book. Hey, this is Rohit Bhargava, and I wrote a book called Non-Obvious Megatrends, which is all about how to see the world a little bit differently and how to put the pieces together across multiple industries and and really do what I think we need to do a little bit more of in the world, which is be more open-minded and read the things that we don't agree with and try and think for ourselves. And so the book outlines a process to do that, something that I call non-obvious thinking, and then it spotlights 10 different megatrends that I believe are changing the world and our culture and how we believe, uh, what we believe and, and how we choose to buy or sell certain things. And one of the megatrends that I think is really relevant, particularly when it comes to customer experience, is a trend that I called human mode. And human mode was a response to the idea that in a world where we have more and more automation and we see more technology coming, we believe in and trust each other and the human power. And so human mode is partially about this idea that in a situation where we have human contact, we treat that as a luxury um, and we choose to engage with people more and we're sometimes willing to even pay more for that. But the other side of it is that we expect that the things that we buy and the things that we consume are are made with more empathy and are made in more human ways. And so one of the ideas that I really challenge people to think of is instead of just looking at something that's put out and saying, well, that's made in the USA or that's made in Italy, what if we put it out that something was made with empathy? Like what would that look like? Uh, and so a great example is what Starbucks has been doing across a couple of different locations where they employ entirely uh, deaf or hearing impaired workers uh, in a particular location. And they have one of these in DC near where I live, near Gallaudet University. And it's fascinating because not only are they doing something that is amazing for the community there, but people who go in, whether they're hearing impaired or not, are now trying to order their drinks um, 
using sign language. And I think that that's kind of what starts to happen. When we create these human experiences, we become more human ourselves. And that's what I, I really love about that trend. So that's one mega trend. There's nine others. Um, but I think there's a lot of relationship between uh, experiences. And ultimately, what the book is about is trying to get you to think a little bit differently about the world. So I hope you enjoy it. So when we first asked Rohit to share an overview of his book and talk about a trend that he thought specifically applied to customer experience, we actually had no idea that he was going to talk about the Starbucks near Gallaudet University where the staff is entirely deaf or hearing impaired. You may remember that we discussed this exact same Starbucks uh, in episode 42 way back in season two of the show. So it was fun to hear him talk about that. And I want to just tell you, Joey, that this morning when I got my Starbucks, I noticed that the manager of the store had um, business cards out where you went to collect your coffee and the business cards had Braille on them. And I oh, thought that was really wow, cool. wow. That's so cool. I love it. Well, it seems like, Dan, maybe we're kind of trend spotters. We're early on it. I what like it. What do you mean it, it seems like? like it. Of yeah, course yes. we are. Well, to be honest, I've been a huge fan of Rohit and his work for over a decade now. And this book is filled with ideas, trends, and concepts that every business should be considering if they want to be around 10 years from now. My favorite passage from the book comes from the trend revivalism, and it reads as follows. Overwhelmed by technology and a sense that life is now too complex and shallow, People seek out simpler experiences that offer a sense of nostalgia and remind them of a more trustworthy time. Now, to be honest, not only have I seen this behavior in the marketplace, I've actually felt myself feeling and acting this way more and more. I'm comforted by movies that I watched as a kid. I find myself pausing to listen to songs that were popular when I was coming of age. I'm increasingly more interested in spending time with old friends just chatting instead of seeking out new acquaintances while participating in activities. I think I like this trend because I'm actually living this trend. But what about you, Dan? What was your favorite part of the book? Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I... Very happy that I'm in the old friend yes, category, you are. given that last statement. <laughs> I have known Dan for a very long time, uh, over 20 years at this point. And uh, yeah, you will be part of my revivalism trend. Oh, thank goodness. Well, I also definitely got into this book uh, thanks to Joey's recommendation and especially the way that Rohit illustrates the trends by telling interesting stories from around the world. And it's really more of a global review. And, and we have been... Um, I have been accused in times of having a U.S.-centric view, uh, which makes sense. I live in the United States, but I think it's really important to know what's going on globally on both a micro and a macro level. And to that point, Dan, if I may interrupt, folks, if you're listening to the show and you don't live in the United States, we would love to hear from you. Go to experiencethisshow.com, click on the contact page, and there's an orange button that if you press it, it says start recording. If you press that, you can leave us a message. Tell us about a brand you've had an experience with. Tell us about how customer experience in your country or in your community is different. We would love to feature more international information and international stories on the show. It's just sometimes it's more difficult for Dan and I to gather those and bring them back. Agreed. So I picked a passage uh, as well, and my past, my favorite passage came from the trend attention wealth. And here's the quote: "Share your backstory to break through the noise. Share your backstory, letting customers know why and how you do what you do. 
Luxury brand Hermes, for example, launched a film that takes consumers inside one of its silk mills in Lyon, France, to illustrate how its products are made. If you can share your story in an interesting way, showing your craft or trade with humility and vulnerability, you might be able to interest current customers or potentially new ones to spend more time and money with you. I love it. In a book about future trends, we're talking about telling your backstory in a more compelling fashion. Since the first humans walked the planet, we've gathered around the fire to tell stories about our experiences. And I find it ironic and, to be honest, encouraging that everything that is old is becoming new again. Well, there's your nostalgic revivalism again, isn't it? Look how it's coming out. I love it. I, I definitely feel like I've identified the trend that uh, most applies to me. Folks, there are incredible trends to explore in this book, including amplified identity, instant knowledge, data abundance, flux commerce, and so many more that we've alluded to on this show over the past five seasons. If you want to really dive deep into these fascinating topics and see how they can be applied to your business or industry, look no further than Rohit Bhargava's final installment of his trend series, the book titled Non-Obvious Megatrends, How to See What Others Miss and Predict the Future. It will really change how you see the world. Please press pause on this podcast right now and go order a copy of the book. It's entertaining, it's actionable, and it'll help you stay relevant and successful in the crazy decade to come. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty-gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. We absolutely love books here on The Experience This Show. Books about customer experience, books about customer service, nonfiction books, fiction books, old books, new books, and yes, even books about books which is how I got introduced to a fantastic company right here in my hometown of Boulder, Colorado, called Juniper Books. I met the impressive CEO, Thatcher Wine, who, yes, lives up to his impressive name as well, at an event where he publicly shared his personal story from the stage. Then I got to spend some time with him at a few different fundraisers because our children attend the same school. Then I read his fantastic magnum opus, for the love of books, designing and curating a home library. And then I started doing business with this company. All right, I'm intrigued. What does his company do? Well, I'm happy to tell you, Dan, but to get the full experience, I think it'd be useful to share a little backstory about Juniper Books. It was founded by Thatcher Wine in 2001, and Thatcher had always loved reading and collecting books, and he began his career sourcing one-of-a-kind and rare book collections for clients around the world. A few years later, he invented the concept of a custom book jacket, designing beautiful, engaging, aesthetically pleasing covers for incredible books. So they take a great book that's already been written and design a new cover that you put on it that is more artful and more engaging. Today, Juniper Books works with thousands of customers in over 50 countries, helping them fall in love with books all over again. So I have a confession to make. I have read maybe two ebooks in my entire life. Really? Because I still like having a physical book. It's I one of those it. things yeah. I just can't trade in. 
And uh, and I used to my first job out of college, I worked for this high end collectibles company that had three different divisions, and one of them was called the Easton Press. And the Easton Press is known for its beautiful, beautiful leather bound books. books. Yeah, I'm very familiar with it. And as an employee, I got a pretty sweet discount Ooh, on these nice. books, and I subscribed to a couple of the collections. The most popular one being the Hundred Greatest Books Ever Written, and they come in these just gorgeous bindings. And they look so great. And more than one person told me that my bookshelf made me look smarter. <laughs> and I was like, even if I haven't read all these books? And they're like, yeah, just having them on your shelf makes you look smarter. Yeah, well, and we talked earlier in the season uh, about my buddy Ryan Holiday, who's a prolific writer and reader. And one of the things he advocates very publicly is don't feel bad about buying books that you haven't read yet. That there's something to be said for being surrounded by books and what that does to your brain and what does that that does to your commitment to growth and learning. And so I absolutely love that you have that collection. You know, it's interesting. I love going to people's homes and looking at the books they have and also looking at how people arrange books, which if you're interested in how you present your book collection, you've got to check out Thatcher's book because it's all about designing the bookshelves and the bookcases at your home. It's this colorful coffee table book, so to speak, that is so rich in imagery and detail and suggestions. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, allow me, if I may, to share their mission from their website, because I think this helps to give you everyone the full picture of what Juniper Books is all about. Juniper Books is dedicated to elevating the printed book by enhancing its design quality and aesthetic deepening the meaning of books in our lives, and facilitating the connection between the stories books tell us and the stories they tell about us. We chose the name Juniper Books for a reason. Juniper trees live for up to a thousand years. Printed books have been around for 500 years, and we're doing our part to make sure they are around for at least 500 more. I love it. So you mentioned that you did business with them, and based on what you've shared already, it wouldn't surprise me if the experience was as impressive as what they do with their books. You are correct, as usual, my friend. So there were three interactions that I had that particularly stood out, and I thought it'd be interesting for us to discuss these as underlying principles that can and should be applied to every company. First, the products and services you offer should be beautifully designed. Juniper Books takes books that have already been written, books that already have jackets, and it redesigns them to be artwork for your shelf. How many times have you read a book and realized that when it's sitting on your shelf, the appearance doesn't do justice to what you know is inside the book on the pages? Juniper Books breathes new life into products that people already love and it encourages them to display their collections in a way that encourages others to then ask about the books they have. I can definitely see how that can apply to other businesses. I mean, design and aesthetics matter a lot more than people think. Often I'll use a product and think this is a really good product, but it doesn't stand out in any way for its design. If you look at brands like Apple, Mercedes, Lululemon, they have really brought design sensibility to functional product offerings. But many companies still skip that design part when they're thinking about how to package or present their offerings. It's so true, Dan. And to be honest, in 2020, it shocks me how many businesses aren't evaluating the look and feel of their offerings and figuring out how to make them more beautiful. But, you know, there's opportunities for growth. 
The second thing that businesses should consider is how can I do more business with my most loyal fans? Now, the typical business, I think, approaches this by asking, how can I sell them more? Juniper Books seems to have answered this question by asking, how can I make them collect more? You see, people that buy books are often collectors of books without realizing that they're collectors. And so Juniper created a subscription offering called Books Everyone Should Own. And I just love the name of it, right? Because it implies that if you love books, you better subscribe to this because there may be books in it that you should own that you don't. And they don't tell you what the books are. It's a subscription that comes every month over the mail. Now, Thatcher curates the books that are in this set, and they are timeless novels that are then mailed to the subscribers with a custom cover that has been designed by Juniper Books. Well, it is a great name because it also creates this sense of FOMO or fear of missing out. Of course. Right? That you, you want to know what the next one is. So I think it uh, is a naturally uh, recurring subscription that I think my guess is his retention rate's pretty high on it as well. Any one of those themes that you just described could be applied to most businesses to come up with creative ways to serve their most loyal customers even more. I would suggest a couple of questions that people should ask themselves about their business. How can you send your products to your customer on a recurring basis? How can you do the hard work of selecting the perfect solution for their needs again and again? How can you combine some of your offerings with other offerings that might not be as obvious to your customers as it is to you? And how can you make your most loyal customers feel special and appreciated? Absolutely, Dan. You know, instead of focusing on new customers in 2020, what if every business spent at least 50% of their efforts and their budgets and their thinking time devoted to deepening the connection with current customers? I mean, you already know who they are. You know what they like. You know how to reach them. Maybe it's time to use this information and access and the relationship that you already have to build greater rapport and likely do even more business with your raving fans. Which actually brings me to the third observation I wanted to make from my experiences with Juniper Books. Always make it personal. Well, that makes sense. Personalization and customization are pretty regular themes here on our show. How does Juniper Books put their special twist on it? Well, they go above and beyond again and again. When I wanted to purchase a bunch of copies of Thatcher's gorgeous book for the love of books to give to some friends that are crazy book fans, he kindly personalized each book and then carefully packaged them so I could mail them around the world in an easy and convenient way. When I wanted to give a gift subscription that was off schedule of the monthly uh, subscription, so I was buying it at a time where it was gonna be a while before the first book hit, it, his design team created a custom card that was absolutely beautiful that I could send to the recipient while they were waiting to get their first book. So at every turn, Juniper Books goes above and beyond with their commitment to aesthetics and design to create these personalized experiences that make me feel like I'm the most valuable customer they have. And that's really all you can ask from a company that you do business with. And as long as they continue making you feel that special you're gonna keep coming back and buying more. So true. So what can you do to take the spirit of Juniper Books and use it to foster connection with your customers? Well, first, make sure your offerings are beautifully designed. Then get creative on ways to do even more business with your biggest fans. And finally, 
Never stop making your individual customers feel like they are the most important person to your business. Avtex, a loyal partner to the experience this show, aims to provide CX vision and strategy to help organizations navigate their employee and customer experiences throughout this current crisis and beyond. Last week, they held a webinar entitled Four Phases to Managing Customer Experience Through Crisis. Did you miss it? Well, we've got you covered. Now you can access the recording on demand. The panel of experts, including Avtex's CXO, Kurt Schroeder, whom we featured in Episode 81, walk through the Avtex Responding to Crisis with CX model and demonstrate how organizations can successfully provide optimal and meaningful experiences for both employees and customers during this difficult time. You'll also receive a free accompanying white paper with your registration. So go to experienceconversations.com and download the Avtex Four Phases to Managing Customer Experience Through Crisis webinar on demand today. Again, that website is www.experienceconversations.com. We usually see eye to eye, except when we don't See if you find yourself siding with Dan or Joey as we debate a hot topic on this segment of Agree to Disagree. There is a battle raging inside businesses, homes, and even the minds of individuals almost every day. It's something that many people are skirting around, but few are really addressing or considering. In a world where the more data we share, the less friction we experience. In a world where the more we give up, the more we seem to get. In a world where the more we provide, the less we struggle. Joey, which do you think is more important, privacy or convenience? Wow, that's a tough one, Dan. And to be honest, I, I want to answer your question, but I'm not sure that it's an either or decision. I mean, there's certainly times when I guard my privacy stringently and there are other times when I will happily volunteer my personal details. Uh, there are times when I revel in a frictionless interaction. Uh, and of course, there are definitely times where I'll happily experience less because I'm not willing to share more. And so if I had to pick, and I guess I do since this is an agree to disagree episode, I'm gonna have to go with privacy being more important than convenience. I mean, I believe this for a few reasons. Number one, it limits the power of governments and corporations. Let's be honest, whoever has the data is in charge. And while they incentivize you to give up your privacy and share your data to make your life easier, they don't tell you all the things they're gonna do with your data, who they're gonna sell it to, how they're going to protect it, and how they're going to use it to subconsciously manipulate you to do things that are in their best interest, but not necessarily in yours. Well, my friend, this is an agree to disagree segment, so probably not surprising to our listeners. I'm going to choose convenience, and not just to say that it's more important, but to really say in my life, it's something that I just genuinely stress more because I, like many individuals, probably don't pay as much attention to privacy as I should. 
The number one thing that I think is important with convenience is that it saves you time. It's the one resource that we can't make more of. And I know because you and I have talked about this, we're very busy people. We work late into the night. If we could work 28-hour days, we surely would do it every once in a while, but we can't. And so anything that saves me time has so much value to me that I'm likely willing to give up a lot for it in terms of different resources, money and privacy being two of them. Fair enough. And I absolutely appreciate that. And I enjoy the convenience and I love the idea of having more time. But you know what I love even more? I love myself. And I don't mean that from a place of ego. At the end of the day, privacy allows people to keep things for themselves. I mean, some people's desire for privacy is brushed away because we have this view in society that, well, it's not that big of a deal if your information gets leaked or if we get some of your information. I mean, privacy is trivial. But the reality is, even if there isn't a huge impact, when details about your private life are shared more broadly, not honoring someone's privacy demonstrates a lack of respect for the person. It demonstrates a lack of respect for their individuality. It really says, I care more about my interest than your interest. So I wanna know as much about you as possible. And then I wanna use that to my advantage. Well, I certainly do believe that companies have an obligation to protect our privacy. I think one of the reasons I fall on the convenience side is because my expectation as a consumer is that companies are doing that. Now, no doubt. Oh, sorry, sorry. No I got to interrupt. Your expectation when all we hear on the news is breach after breach. When you've worked in corporate America, you know what a nightmare the protections are. You're confident that they're going to do that? I didn't say I was confident. I said it was my expectation. And a lot on of companies, a scale of one to 10, with one being they're abysmal and 10 being they're amazing, where do you fall on what you think the average company is doing? In terms of meeting that? my expectations? Yes, meeting your expectation. <laughs> well, some of them do it much better ah, than others. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you paying attention at home, that is the sound of Dan giving a score that is less than three, but not wanting to say a number that is less than three. Maybe. But I will say another thing on the side of convenience is sometimes I just don't want to think about it. You know, one of the problems with privacy is having to think a lot about passwords and other types of things. The number of the amount of time I spend resetting passwords because I can't remember all of the details that I've been asked, you know, individually because this company will allow an exclamation point and this one will only allow an asterisk and this one needs two numbers and whatever. It's it's a huge waste of time. Whereas the convenience factor allows me to actually think less. I mean, who wants to sit and have to remember to order paper towels or tissues or, hey, let's go with something that might be private, hemorrhoid ointment, right? I'd rather just have somebody else take care of it for me and have the convenience and prioritize that first. I find it fascinating that you used the word think so much in that justification of why you think convenience is more valuable because... I feel the same way about privacy in the sense that I love privacy because it protects me on the times when maybe I didn't think, right? So I believe that humans should be given the benefit of the doubt. I believe that humans should be forgiven. I believe that humans should be given second chances. And when everything that we do is available publicly to the world and where things that we've done in the past where maybe we didn't think it through and make the good choice gets dragged into the present to potentially be used against us, 
That to me is a huge argument in favor of privacy. I mean, I'll be candid. I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old. I worry about the world they're growing up in where there's an expectation that they will live their lives online, where there's an expectation that the stupid thing they say could be caught on video, the stupid thing they do could be caught on video, and 30 years down the road in a job interview, based on a Google search, that could be dragged up and used against them to not get a job, not get a promotion, not be able to get a date, fill in the blanks of the consequence. I don't know about you, I'll just speak for myself. I am very, very happy that there is not video footage or a record of some of the stupid things I did as I was moving from, oh, let's say age zero to the present. <laughs> well, I do think that you can in some ways control this. There are people that aren't on Facebook and that aren't that don't have a digital presence really to speak of. There are people that you can Google and get pretty much no results, believe it or not. Sure. Um, I made a choice a while back to become active in social media, understanding that that puts some privacy to risk. But I also try to control that by, uh, for example, only posting pictures of my kids on Facebook where I'm only connected to friends and people that I know versus on Twitter where I'm connected to tens of thousands of people who I don't know and haven't met and don't know if they're even real people, right? So there's that piece of it. But also I think unfortunately we live in a, in a world today where despite your best efforts, somebody can still pull that old yearbook photo of you being a class clown or you writing something, as we saw in a recent uh, in, in a recent um, Supreme Court nominees situation, that and bring it online today, and that's just a fact of our lives. And so, in in today's world, we have given up some privacy, whether we want to or not. And yes, is that sad? I think it is, but I think it is absolutely the life that we live today. The one other thing that I'll push for in convenience is that Shep Hyken wrote a book about it. And I think that should be enough <laughs> reason. It's a great book. And, and he wrote that's a, a book great reason that we to talked be a fan about. of convenience. Yes, we talked about this book, I believe it was last season, um, called The Convenience Revolution. And um, obviously what he says in here is that convenience is one of the biggest parts of customer experience and one of the biggest ways to get people to like doing business with you. Now, to be fair, later this season, spoiler alert, we're also going to highlight an article where he talks about fraud having an impact on the customer experience. And fraud is often the result of people, nefarious people, hackers, et cetera, violating somebody's privacy. So they're both pretty critical. Fair enough. I think at the end of the day, I want to come back to something that you said as an aside early on. And, uh, you know, the recovering attorney in me doesn't want to use your words against you, but I will to win this debate. Um, you said, I probably think about privacy less than I should. And I think at the end of the day, that's my big issue. My big issue is that the corporations, your government, they aren't thinking about your privacy at all. Most humans aren't thinking about their privacy nearly enough because they're over-indexing on their desire for convenience. And I think we have only begun to experience the tip of the iceberg of the consequence of these choices, of not thinking more uh, specifically and more comprehensively about 
the information and the data that we're sharing and how that giving up of our privacy may come back to bite us in the future. Well, Joey, since uh, my lunch has just arrived conveniently delivered by a driver, (laughs) I guess we will just have to agree Agree to to disagree. Wow. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This. This.